How many freshmen? Raise your hand if you're a freshman. Oh, sweet. My, my daughter is a freshman down at UCSD, and uh, kind of one of the interesting things that her eyes have been open to is the difference between college life and high school life. Is that true for you? Just a little bit different, right? The, where, where the rubber hit the road for her, quite honestly, is she was trained in a classical education model, or the trivium, where you go from the grammar school to the logic school to the rhetoric school. That's the way that they learn. Okay, they learn first the what, then the why, and then the how. So all of her years of high school were spent in the how, very deeply in the how. She spent a lot of times writing out what she thought and felt about the data that she was learning in the classes and how she had put this data in logical order. So her school was very big on the verbal, and you know, for her SATs, she got great marks on that verbal uh, part of her SATs, where, again, her eyes are open now as a freshman at UCSD, a human biology major, is with multiple choice exams, where it's one thing and one thing only, and if you don't know that one thing, you get it wrong. She's struggling with just finding that one thing. And uh, the world, for us, we know, is full of knowledge. It's full of data. It's full of the, the what. We're thinking beings, and we can figure out the why and the how, but pulling those three things together can sometimes be difficult for us. And, and what I see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is a beautiful picture of a reality thousands of years ago that are same reality today. Now, uh, Pastor Manning probably talked about it last week, what was going on in Corinth, what was going on in that city that was a very cosmopolitan city, sort of like a crossroads of the world where many different philosophies, many different ideas, many different religions all came together. And the, the Christian church, as it grew up, grew up from a pagan root. It grew up from, from a people who wanted to know the what and the why and the how. They wanted to talk endlessly about philosophies. And when it came to putting those things into practice, struggled a little bit. There was a lot of disunity that was going on there in Corinth. So at the beginning of chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says these words to these Christians in Corinth. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In those words, we hear the what, the why, and the how. Paul's bringing together the content of our faith, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul's putting into practice saying that he would not know anything among them other than this one thing. This entire letter, Paul is writing to a people not unlike all of us. This letter is all about the knowledge of God applied or quite simply faith active in love. And at the beginning of uh, Lockwood's commentary on 1 Corinthians, he quotes Luther. And Luther says that Paul's purpose would be that the people would be one in faith and love. 
to see that they learn well this chief thing, namely that Christ is our salvation, the thing over which all reason and wisdom stumbles. That one important thing. Christ is our salvation, and it is the thing over which all reason and wisdom stumbles. That any of our grand ideas of the why and the how will always get caught up on the what, who Jesus is. I don't know if you follow the church world at all, but it's been sort of in vogue to say that our church is all about Jesus. Just Jesus. And not just our churches, our prayers kind of follow the same thing, right? We talk a lot about Jesus. And uh, quite honestly, I went to a church yesterday. Part of the, the benefit of being with a mission agency is I don't go to the same church every week. And this week, I actually went to a church uh, led by a friend of mine, a non-denominational church, and they're a just Jesus church. And he preached beautifully a lesson on Ephesians chapter 5, talking about marriage, a very practical message for our time, talking about men and women and their roles in marriage. And you've heard these words before, right? Wives, submit to your husband, right? And then husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Those two things he was bringing together in this message. And this church that claims to be all about Jesus, my daughter turns to me after the message and says, I didn't hear the gospel. They talked a lot about Jesus, but they didn't proclaim Jesus. They used a lot of words that we would hear in the church, words that that maybe we would have to decode if we were non-Christians, but none of it spoke to the cross, the crucifixion of Christ, his life, death, and resurrection that gives us a picture of what it means to sacrifice for one another. And something as beautiful as marriage. Our language can get in the way. And, and what Paul is talking about here in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians is how the language of these people get in the way of a clear picture of who Jesus actually is. And you've heard it before if you've been around here in the Lutheran church. We want to avoid terms that confuse people like justification and sanctification and all those great churchy words, right? We can turn that mirror on ourselves, but quite honestly, society doesn't help and modern Christianity doesn't help. There are things that Christians say that don't quite make sense and they really don't point to the content of who Christ truly is. Brought a short video with me. Why don't we check out what Christians might say. Bless his heart. I think he's backsliding. I think I saw him drink. Yeah, but in moderation. I just wasn't seeing much fruit. He's going down a slippery slope. How's your heart, man? How's your heart? I'm just such a words guy. It was a total God thing. I'm blessed. I've been working on my testimony. Is that secular music? We're opening with a secular song tonight. Wait, is this a secular song? Isn't she secular? Which station's The Fish? 104.3 The Fish. Safe for the whole family. 
You know he's a believer. I think he's saved. I just pray you would give him traveling mercies. Mm. Pray for all Tyler's unspokens. Mm. Echo that. Just really like to echo Tyler's prayer, Father. I just, I echo that echo of my echo of his echo. I really feel like I'm being released from this, you know? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm just trying to be in the world, not of it. Hey, do you want to join our small group? You want to join my D group? You want to join my cell group, community group, access group, accountability group, Acts 27 group? Dude, he brought it. He brought the word. That service last night rocked me. They're pretty purpose-driven. Yeah, it's seeker. Don't they do seeker service there? I feel like he's gotten really watered down. I don't feel like he really teaches the word. There's not enough meat, you know? Are they non to non? We have a great Wednesday night supper. Let's invite some dudes over and fellowship tonight. We're going to have a sweet time of fellowshipping tonight. Dude, we had the sickest fellowship last night. We're going to extreme. Velocity. Ignite. Yeah, I'm going to ignite. The edge. The dive. The bridge. The ramp. Fire. Courageous. Passion. <laughs> Echo. Reverb. Noise. Velocity. Drive. Elevate. Radiate. 722. 635. 419. Orange. Blue. Yellow. Green. Clear. Neon. Catalyst conference this year. I don't do that because I feel like it ruins my witness. Been struggling with that. I'm really wrestling with that. I'm wrestling with a doubt. Need someone to hold me accountable. I'm really trying to be intentional with her. I'm pursuing her for sure. I'm trying to guard her heart. Guard her heart, though, bro. Will you hold me accountable to that? Yeah, well, bounce your ass. Bounce your ass. Dang it. Crap. Shoot. Sheesh. Frit. Darn it. What the H? Holy crap. Son of a beasting. Dude, he's really teeing me off. <laughs> I'm going to kick his A. Are you asking me right now? Not cool. I find that offensive. <laughs> Hopefully you don't find that offensive. <laughs> but I think it's kind of funny. You know, I'll, I'll sit in coffee shops all the time, and I guess that sounds like I'm relevant, right? But I sit in coffee shops all the time, and I hear this language. I can find the church people. They're speaking in, in, in code. This, this language that just doesn't even make sense to people who are struggling in the darkness. And I think Paul had experienced the same thing in Corinth. When he tells the people that he decided to know nothing among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He talks about how he came to these folks. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. The what was the content of the gospel? Jesus Christ and him crucified. The why, Paul says, is that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I, I can preach any number of, of, of messages that help people deal with their life. Something like the marriage message that I heard this week. And they are helpful and they are good. But when they're not grounded in the cross of Jesus Christ, they're hardly Christian. There's something other. Something other than the secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages... For our glory. Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. When I think of, of anything in my own marriage or with my own children or with relationships, be they uh, in business or in the church or wherever it may be, that if they weren't grounded in the power of God, in the redemption that he has given us in Christ Jesus? 
I was just going off on my own wisdom. I was following my own language, my own script that was running inside of my head and not listening to the one true God. In the gospel lesson that was assigned for this weekend, Jesus says these words, that you're the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If they don't know that the foundation is the cross of Jesus Christ... How are they going to give glory to our Father who is in heaven? Jesus says, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus makes it very clear that the kingdom of God comes in his life, death, and resurrection. The foolishness that Paul is proclaiming here is the life, death, and the resurrection of Christ for you so that your life will look different. You will be salt. You will be light. Not by your own wisdom or your own knowledge, but by the hidden knowledge of God that comes to us and changes us. Paul says, what no eye has seen nor heard, nor the heart of man imagined, that God has prepared beforehand for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And here we have a beautiful why in verse 12. We receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Freely given to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Freely given to us so that we can share this understanding that we have. This change in the, in the what, the why, and the how we live our lives each day. Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? We have the mind of Christ, Paul says which he, he hearkens back to those beautiful words of Isaiah chapter 58, where we know that the fast that God has chosen for his people is to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, let the oppressed go free and break every yoke, to share our bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, cover him and not hide yourself. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. The power of what Paul is preaching to the people of Corinth is the power that's proclaimed to you in the beautiful gift that you've been given in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, it's my hope that uh, whether you're a freshman, senior, or professor, that you take the, the what that God has given you, the cross of Jesus Christ, Make it your why for how you live each day and the beautiful how you will share that gospel to the very ends of the earth. Let's pray. Lord God, Father in heaven, we so thank you for the power of your word, a word that changes lives. It is the power, Lord God, that you have given a wisdom beyond our own means that in all things, the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ 
is the one true foundation of our faith. When we say that we are about Christ alone, doesn't mean that we proclaim just Jesus, but rather, Lord God, that we proclaim you as Heavenly Father and Creator, your Son as Redeemer and Savior, and your Spirit, Lord God, as the guide for our lives each and every day. We ask you in continuous th- continually, Lord God, that your word guide us as we follow you to the ends of the earth. Amen. Thank you very much. <laughs>